I'm Hayes Hartwig. This is Bamboo, Vancouver's property management and investment podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Bamboo. This week, I have Lynn with me, Lynn Hayes, who's been in the industry for about 35 years and also happens to be my mom. So the second of the three generations of real estate advisor is here together doing this show. And uh, so without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Hayes. Glad to be here. Nice. So we're going through the September stats and that, and unfortunately, it's the sixth consecutive month that there has been an increase on the average for an unfurnished one bedroom in Vancouver. It's up $32 from last month for a total of $24.38, as shown from the stats from Lib.Rent. That's a yearly increase of $191 from last year, 2022. Uh, it did have a pretty firm lift last year, but... Yeah, it's definitely been going up in price there. Um, have you been seeing the same thing out there, Lynn? Or what do you? I've been seeing the same thing everywhere. When I go get gas, when I go get groceries, <laughs> everywhere, pretty much. It's uh, yeah. What can we say? But it's it's not new. We've been there before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's ebb and flow, and yeah, I mean, it's just tough for everybody for right now. Um, one of the reasons why we use, or the reason why we use a one bedroom unfurnished as the baseline, of course, is because that's level one obviously a two-bedroom would be more a three-bedroom would be more and furnished of course there is some value in there but we'll touch in on that as well um so it is quite interesting that the maximum increase has been released for 2024 so the maximum increase is 3.5 percent which is tied into the inflation rate of course um this, of course, is 1% higher than back east in Toronto. So I guess there is some relief for uh, landlords, of course, that the tenants won't be super excited about any increase for that matter. What was it previously, Hayes? 2%? 2% was 2%. for t- okay. 2023 was 2%. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it, it's tough on the tenants, of course, with the pricing going up. But as you touched on at the top of the show there, that everything's going up uh, landlords are also feeling the squeeze b- between mortgages and and the price of everything else of course as well when the dishwasher breaks it's more expensive now exactly that. and the maintenance fee goes up and just everything goes up yeah so unfortunately it's uh there's no really relief in sight i mean we'll, we'll see how things progress through the year but um yeah it's, it's quite quite difficult uh interestingly Furnished units saw a decrease this year in most cities, which is traditional being that the holiday season, the the typical vacation season in Vancouver is kind of closing to an end there because (laughs) the rainy seasons are coming. (laughs) (laughs) But we do have snow. Yes. People uh, like snow when they come here. (laughs) Of course. I mean, that is, but that's, it's a typical thing to see the furnished units kind of slow down yeah. after all you know but the stats and everything they do include uh short-term rentals and furnished yeah. and so on and so forth so makes sense yeah so that's no surprise there furnished units are, are kind of lowering in price unfurnished units are going up as people get settled back in get back into the school season and all that uh, the average square foot for the greater vancouver region is at three dollars and eleven cents 
with Burnaby being the number one, higher than Vancouver proper actually, at $4.15 per square foot, Vancouver proper at $3.89, and Richmond at $3.43. It's interesting with Burnaby being the higher one there. Uh, what do you think some of the causes of that? I, I was going to say, do you have any thoughts why it would be maybe larger suites further from Vancouver, but close to a lot of um, transportation and stuff, shopping, I, you know? I, I would suggest it's probably dealing more with Brentwood because Brentwood, they oh, are taking the amazing Brentwood, sir. Yeah. So people are, <laughs> yeah, people are finally taking possession of that. So brand new place. Oh, right. It's it was pre-sale three, four years ago. Exactly. No. So those keys are finally ending up in hands and people are realizing that, uh, well, it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So the things that was about with the pricing per square foot, though, is that's not the end all be all. And I'm sure you've seen numerous people in our industry and for sale by owners trying to sell based on square foot. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It has no relativity. Yeah. Well, I mean, to some degree, I guess, if it's an exact match. I mean, we're just talking about the the uh, pre-builds, pre-sale. I mean, they all true. kind of look the same. Right, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, when they're brand new and nothing's been changed and they haven't added anything or taken away anything. Yeah. But there again, some places have parking, some don't, some have storage, some don't, some have two. Some don't, you know. It's exactly. So you can't just the end all is obviously not on price per square foot. There's, as you just touched on, there's numerous variables to take yeah. into account. Some, you know, parking, in suite storage, uh, in suite laundry, all these sorts of things should be taken into account when trying to price there. Yeah, as you said, the price per square foot for brand new is more relevant mm -hmm. because you're dealing apples and apples. But yeah. after that, there's been updates or no updates, you know, changes and all that. Yeah, quite different. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, the most common availability for rentals is apartments. Yes. Take a look at any skyline. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, 78% 70, of the units available are apartments with 6% being houses and 3% being townhouses. It's interesting, it's interesting that it's, bigger have more houses than townhomes. Exactly. And I, I, the theory, the working theory, at least from I've talked to a couple of other yeah. property managers is based on price. Yeah. To rent a townhouse will be less expensive than renting a house proper. Mm -hmm. So therefore they'll go after the three bedroom townhouse as opposed to having to get the four bedroom or three bedroom house. Correct. So uh, that may be a cause that in, there's less townhouses than house. <laughs> True. And I think uh, houses, you get more multifamily situations. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, a lot have a suite and yep. and all that. So that may be the cause of it. Of course, houses are generally harder to get a hold of for rentals simply because nobody's buying a house and immediately turning it into a rental. Whereas no. it's fairly commonplace, I guess, with the apartments. Yeah. That, um, and I mean, speaking of investments, the one beds for the available rentals only take up 38%, whereas the two bedrooms take up 47%. So obviously, one bedrooms are getting eaten up quicker or simply less available yeah. than the two bedrooms, which would kind of lead one to believe that a one bedroom investment may be higher or a better investment than a two bedroom Um uh, what are your thoughts on this? Is between a one, if you have a choice between the same area, you know, near SkyTrain, all that sort of stuff, 
between a one bedroom and two bedroom. What what are your thoughts on it? I think that the one bedrooms are, in my opinion, but you know that's just my opinion that they're a better investment simply because you have a better turnover. You know, more people look out. People are in one bedroom. They will leave sometimes and go get a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, because they get married or have children or you know whatever taking somebody else to defray the costs but the one bedroom i would suggest there's a lot more um desire to own or yeah. pardon me desire is not the right word there, <laughs> there's a bigger audience that will be able to afford a one bedroom as opposed to a two bedroom yeah That's absolutely I mean. yeah i mean i'm in the camp as well of a one bedroom is a, a stronger investment or the two bedroom as far as for a rental unit yeah uh, as, as far as owning it of course a two-bedroom is quite desirable because it will go up more in price, price when you <laughs> I, to what, sell it. Whether it's renting or selling, you're yeah. going to get more money for it. Exactly. But it's bigger investments, bigger downstroke, it's bigger taxes, you know, so. Exactly. It's that whole, uh, you got to pay to play, right? Exactly. So, yeah, there's two school of thoughts on that. I mean, essentially, renting a one-bedroom generally will have a higher turnover. And as we covered at the top of the show, $191 increase from last year to this year for a one-bedroom unfurnished. Mm. Should your tenant move, obviously, you can collect that 191 average. Right. So, which is significantly higher than the 3.5% that was just offered yep. to the landlord. So, I mean, there's two schools of thought. I mean, everything will rent eventually, but it seems that there's a higher turnover for one-bedrooms, as you touched on as well, yep. with families grow and situations change and and all that sort of thing so depends on how you want to look at it obviously talk to your professional and look at all the numbers before you jump and and figure that out it's interesting though with the mortgage rates being so high which is kind of pushing the rentals as well there may be some relief on pricing for purchase uh what are your thoughts on this you know the higher Usually there's the downward pressure, you know, on the prices that they will, they will come down because when you're like, Hey, you have less people looking. So, and you still want to sell. <clears throat> so, um, you know, you've got to pay to play sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Most people that are selling their properties now, they've had them for quite a while and they're probably making a profit, mm-hmm. probably <laughs> <laughs> more than likely, but, uh, you know, you, you can't get greedy. You got to do what the market will take. And this isn't like to say, it's not new. We've seen it before. I was around when, you know, interest rates were 18%, 18 and a half. Yeah. That was back in the nineties or so. Was it? Or uh, when, when was that? Late nineties. Late 90s. Uh, no. So let me, let me think about this. I started in 88, so it would be early 90s, about early 90s, if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same thing. Everyone went, oh, my gosh, you know, those prices are so high and, you know, the interest, nothing's going to go doom and gloom. And But we're still here. Yeah. It, well, the, one of the things that's interesting you hear about at any cocktail party about the bubble's going to burst. And, what bubble? And all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Like grandma was warned about the bubble. I was going to say, your, your grandmother bought a couple of houses. And I remember on one of them, she did lose a little bit of money. But on the other one, she was okay. But, you know, and she said at that time, she said, a lot of greedy people are going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And because people that could snap them all up, you know, and then all of a sudden, kaboom. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's also interesting. One part about a so-called bubble in any real estate market is that people are forced to sell. And that's the part that we've kind of been missing here. Yep. Is that there's a lot of 
uh, baby boomers such as yourself, and always a trigger word for people, but <laughs> um, a lot of them are aging in place. I used to be a baby boomer, now I'm just old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of them are aging in place, don't have a, a mortgage. So yeah. that's one fundamental major piece missing of a bubble. Yeah. Now, that being said, of course, with the high rates, if they don't come back down, when renewal time comes, we might be seeing a little bit closer, maybe not so much of a yeah. bubble, but a definite correction or something happening because... A if fairly you significant that. correction if the rates don't come down, I think. Exactly, right? I mean, they did hold them this time, but yeah. we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. But yeah, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. Um, man, it's, it's interesting for that. Also, with the ebb and flow of real estate, generally things slow down towards the winter time. So... Well, nobody wants to move in the rain and the snow. Well, exactly, right? And so maybe this combined with higher rates, slower market, you know, there might be some deals to have for yeah. people who are trying to invest yeah. and pick up an investment property. So uh, that would be something to maybe keep an eye on if you're thinking about making a move. Maybe wait till it gets a little bit colder. A little bit, well. yeah, a little bit softer in the market does, as well as the weather, get a little colder. Yeah, I mean, and there's ebb and flow with that as well. Like a tip for tenants, if they're trying to find a cheaper rent, it's a good idea to move in the winter because that market as well slows down. So if somebody has a rental that they put on the market in October and it hasn't rented and it's getting into November, now all of a sudden revisiting the price is looking a little better. Exactly. Bird in the hands, we're in the bush, right? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and there's ebb and flow with with any of the rentals, of course. For instance, right now, the most expensive burb in Vancouver, or well, I guess sub-area of Vancouver, is Point Grey UBC, which yeah. happens to coincide with all the students coming back to UBC. Of course, and in the summer, they're not. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, they do have summer classes, but it's certainly not the quantity that is in the winter yeah and and that's sort of like one of the things it's the same with sfu for instance in burnaby yeah uh the prices up there do move up around september and that so but it's a bit of a double-edged sword because of course you have a heap of possible tenants at sfu burnaby in particular but it is up on the hill so if you're trying to rent that place during the summer when it's limited summer classes and all that sort of thing mm -hmm. It can be a significant drop in price and very tricky. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's another tip for tenants. If you're going to be going to SFU, snap up your place in the summer, go up there in June or July. Probably deals to be had. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, because otherwise the landlord might have two or three months, maybe even four vacant, right? Exactly, right? So it, it can be really tricky. I mean, we had a... Do the math, folks. Do the math. Well, yeah. I mean, we had a couple rentals up there that were... Yeah. We'll say challenging. <laughs> <laughs> closer you got to the school year, the less challenging they became. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the mattresses so, were still there. Yeah, so many mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> you should maybe explain that, Hayes. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell when the end of the month is because there's this mattresses on the side of the street all the time. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I did a, 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 a Instagram story about that, but that, that's a whole other different thing. Uh, so for the fifth consecutive month, BC holds the five most expensive cities which we seem to do it all the time five months in a row i mean that we're, we're pretty steady on that with vancouver proper being number one west van being number two 
North Van be number three, Richmond number four, and Burnaby number five. Yeah, so we seem to always have that. There used to be one in uh, Markham, Ontario that would jump in every once in a while, but they they haven't been there for five months, so yeah, we're quite expensive out here. <laughs> so yeah, the tricky part with all this is, is that Lib.Rent has reported that 38% of the user's income goes to the rent, which is different as the rule of thumb across Canada usually is 30% goes. The 38% that Lib.Rent is claiming seems to be in line with a lot of other property managers that I've seen. Uh, you help with our our background checks for all mm-hmm. of our tenants at Vancouver Rent It. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Have Have you seen, is this in line with what you're saying? It seems to be. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm actually surprised. I thought it would have been higher than that, to tell you the honest truth. I think in some cases it is, but yeah. it, 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 there's no hard and fast. I mean, yeah. we've talked about uh, tenant screening on a few other shows. Uh, we've got an upcoming show that will be simply all about tenant screening or at least a high overview of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's no hard and fast rule because people have all sorts of other things going on as well. Uh, Side gigs and tips. And I was going to say there's a lot of industry, especially, you know, your service industry and all that, that their income doesn't show their actual ability to pay. Exactly. These are some of the things that you have to take in as a property manager or a a do it yourself landlord is, that not everything is on paper. So, yeah. and even then you have to look at your tips uh, using a service industry as an example of where do they work? Yeah. If they're working in some lower end, very quiet uh, pub, or somebody's working at a really high end steakhouse, tips usually are based on the final bill. So, obviously, the person in the steakhouse, like Black and Blue, for instance, will be making generally higher tips than you mean somebody. You where the 28% is already on the machine when they hand it to you? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> you mean that one? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's usually based on the final tally. So, when you're screening your tenants, if it is a tip-based industry such yeah. as bartending or serving, you have to take into account where they're working, how many hours are they getting, that yeah. sort of thing, right? And your average price. Because, obviously, if your average bill at the end of the guest's visit is higher most likely the tips will be higher as well correct so yeah. it's just certain things to take into account there uh, if somebody is also trying to get a solid tenant i always advise that it's a good idea to rent to people with with pets a lot of people don't uh what are your thoughts on renting to people with pets or not absolutely i mean um <clears throat> if you have a pet i mean that's your family member and you want to take that family member with you Pets generally, over the my many many years in related, you know, industry real estate, um, it, pets aren't the ones that cause a big problem. People do. Yeah. Pets don't. People do. They make the odd, you know, maybe they chew something. A dog might chew something. Maybe it's a puppy or something like that. Very seldom. Yeah. You know, pets are generally they're good tenants, and they're important to their owners. Very important, and the owner will pay for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, generally speaking, renting units that allow for pets usually command a higher mm-hmm. rent. Yep. Um, simply because a lot of people have this fear of renting to a 
because of damage and whatnot. Yeah, I've never seen a pet set a place on fire or the <laughs> toilet or anything like that. You know, it's really weird. Overflow the dishwasher. I've never seen a pet do that. Yeah, absolutely right. Weird. You can uh, take more of a deposit too for a pet, right? Yeah, you can take one extra half month. Yeah. So you get one half month for security deposit, one half month for pet deposit. Yeah. So all in all, it, I think it's a good idea personally. I always advise you, obviously don't just rent to any pet. You'd want to know about it mm -hmm. and take these things into account. The other thing that's interesting with pet damage is that it's not usually massive. Yeah. Like if a puppy goes and chews on a, a door frame, yep. you can replace that door frame for relatively cheap. It's as you said, yep. they didn't light the house on fire. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> There's a big difference. Yeah. So, and most of the rental units or, or most of the units, it's been my experience anyway, they're putting in flooring that accommodates animals. Oh, you're not putting in solid hardwood in your rental unit. No. And, and that's the thing. Like, it, it's funny because actual hardwood yeah. is not as strong yeah it's as not as durable laminate. not as durable at all yeah yeah it scratches gouges it can be resanded but that comes at a price yeah well and this is the other thing that's quite interesting you bring up flooring here is that although it's more expensive it actually makes sense to spend the extra money and get vinyl flooring over laminate because the vinyl flooring is essentially rubbery plastic you mm. can leave water sit on that for a long time and nothing's going to happen. Whereas laminate essentially has a hard surface over sawdust. So once that gets in there and gets wet, starts bubbling up, and then you're SOL. Yeah. But admittedly, the initial outlay on vinyl is going to be more expensive. But you probably won't have to deal with it again. Is it significantly higher? I didn't. I don't think it was tremendously higher. I think because it it's come down in price since it started because there's more of it and there's more competition, of course. Yeah, like absolutely. anything else. The main thing I think, as far as I've been advised, I'm obviously not a floor layer, mm -hmm. is that uh, it's the leveling of it. Because if you don't have it level, you get a little bit more forgiveness with the underlay yeah. on the laminate flooring. Yeah. As of the vinyl, it'll really show those waves and ridges and stuff like that. So I think that's where a lot of the cost comes in. Um, replacing vinyl as well if it does get damaged is also a little bit easier because you can actually just cut a new piece and stick it back in. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of benefits and I think that a lot of the landlords who are thinking about upgrading or if they're ripping out the carpets since generally the tenant population prefers hard flooring over yeah. soft, i.e. carpet, so, and when you're, we were talking like mainly the, you know, the, the, the focus is on one bedrooms, which aren't that huge. Mm -hmm. So the difference in cost probably is not very much. Oh, absolutely. And no. one of the other things that people need to take into account, uh, landlords need to take into account as well, is the general rule of thumb with the RTB is that after 10 years, the flooring has passed its lifetime. So even if you have carpets, that were in great condition, but you haven't replaced them for 10 years, it may be at null, even if a pet did come in and destroy it, or a human for that matter. Yeah. You, if you take it to the RTB, one of the questions that will be asked was, when did you install them or when did you replace them? 22 years, I think it's okay to replace them. Now. Exactly. So they may... <laughs> I don't think it's your tenant's fault. <laughs> exactly, right? Because, I mean, carpets just age out, especially as we were talking about with the new builds. 
developers generally grab the cheapest whatever mm-hmm. they can to maximize their profits. So those carpets just age out. There's yeah. certain times, like we've seen them in numerous places that it doesn't matter how much you clean it. It's been walked over for 10 years straight up. Like it's, it's done. I, I, I don't remember seeing a lot of carpet in new builds, do they? Uh, well, in the bedrooms, a fair Maybe amount. I just don't notice. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. the bed, in bedrooms, yeah, but not the traffic areas, kitchen, living room, dining room, that sort of thing. Well, exactly. Well, they haven't put carpet in kitchens <laughs> since oh, the seventies, right? <laughs> or the ba- or the ba- don't forget the bathrooms. He yeah. used to put it in the bathrooms. Now that was sanitary. Yeah. But why? <laughs> Where was somebody's head for that one? <laughs> Apparently not looking straight. So. Well, it was the seventies. Don't forget. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> Now, one of the things that has been coming up lately, it's been interesting, is things about the BC Guide and Service Dogs. Mm. There is an actual registration for this. Like, they have a card, much like a BC ID or a license. And these are obviously quite acceptable. There's different rules that apply with uh, these type of service animals in which that a pet deposit can't be taken on them and you also can't restrict whether the pet is there they're essentially treated as a tenant basically mm-hmm. um, but do be weary that there are some people who are kind of gaming the system and you can order fake documents and stuff like this so so they're trying to say their pet is a service animal to i presume the strata can't say no you can't have a service animal i'm guessing that Correct. Yeah, that's uh, part of the uh, guide dog. So pack. there's no pets, but I want to bring Susie with me. Yeah, exactly. Now, that being said, of course, the registered proper guide and service dog totally makes sense. However, emotional support animals are not covered by this. That's Well, that'd be a tough area to police, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's... Uh, so there's degrees, obviously. Exactly. So it's something that you have to be wary about. And of course, if you are wrong and say that somebody has falsified the papers, but there is a hefty fine for as well. Mm. But then you have a human rights violation on your hands, which is a new world of hurt for those people as well. I would think so. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's been getting very strange up there. There's been a bit of an uptick in that. So something to sort of be weary of and, and do your diligence when somebody produces this type of documentation Take the time to verify if it's actually legitimate mm-hmm. or not, because it is your investment. You need to protect your investment, of course. Is there a registry for, for all of this stuff? Like, you'd think if you had a, a license, per se, there should be a, a list of them somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a, a number on it, just like you'd see on a license. So we'll have to do some digging and maybe we'll retouch on that on a, on a later show. About- yeah, because that... that uh- yeah, that could be a real issue. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it comes to it that things have been getting, as we talked about at the top of the show, with the pricing getting a little heavier and inflation and all these other things that people are doing desperate things in desperate times. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a, just a, a we've noticed an uptick in this sort of thing and having to kind of maybe revisit verification of documents during your tenant screening to make sure that this is legitimate so that you don't end up with troubles later on. Mm-hmm. So that being said as well, as money is tighter, people we've been noticing and talking with a lot of tenants that there is a definite uprise in 
scams that are happening, uh, especially in marketplace. Marketplace seems to be the Wild West Facebook marketplace, that is. Yeah, I heard about one on the news not that long ago where <clears throat> it was, I forget the exact details, but it was somebody like in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, whatever, they sent a deposit into this, you know, thing that they found on marketplace and so on and so forth. And well, it turned out and then sent them extra money for their half a month's rent or their first month's rent. Mm-hmm. It all came down to like, they lost like about at 3000 or 3500 bucks because the place didn't exist. Yeah, not to mention the fact that like <laughs> you're going to show up on moving day with all your stuff on the yeah. truck and know where to put it. Like, hi there. Yeah, like that. that's a heavy thing. So, I mean, some of the things that tenants can do to help protect themselves from scams, don't send in your deposit before seeing the place. Obviously, if you're moving from outside of the country into it, most likely you know somebody here or that wherever you're working may be able to help somebody or have somebody to go over there and take a look at it. Yeah. Uh, so do be aware of, of things like that. One of the benefits, of course, using a professional, not to blow our own horn, of course, is that <laughs> we're licensed. So you can look us up and make sure that you're talking to who you should be. So you have some protection. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you've got some credibility, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at the nerve of people and how they do this to make money. I mean, it's like, wow. Well, the thing is, is that it's straight. It's not accidental. Stuff. You have you've planned this yeah. scam. Yeah. Right. So basically for all the tenants, just be very, very weary of that. Uh, do ask for the address as well. One of the more common methods that is used for scamming is they will simply take the photos from the MLS, the multiple listing service. That's easy one that's to for do, sale. That's right click and save and you've got them. Right. So make sure that you like cross-reference all the information you know that the landlord or property manager will be going through your application verifying your name looking up your phone number all this sort of thing as a renter check them out absolutely yeah like make sure that you know who you're talking to i know like we as a company have a gst number Mm -hmm. do landlord just individual landlords have to have that no oh well, not a good check then, is it? <laughs> no, so, and that's what I mean. That, that's where trouble is. It's it's a quite gray area. So, mm. as I'm saying, just there's more people in desperate times right now. So tenants do be very weary and don't be afraid to ask for information. And if something's not sitting right, don't do it because you don't want to end up, as you just mentioned, with these people back in the prairies yeah. there showing up to move in and not having a place to go. I mean, I. I couldn't even get my head wrapped around that. Just the, the sheer panic that that would instill in that person who who ran that scam was in the good, wind. Not a good gone. start. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, just basically be, be wary of what's going on around you. And just as a landlord is very vigilant and looking at the information that they're being given as a tenant, make sure that you look at the same information yourself. Exactly. Yeah, so, well, I th- Getting pretty close to the end of our time here on the show. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to add there? No, it's just um, <clears throat> actually I like doing these things because you tell me things that I hadn't thought about. And, and I'm sure that the folks out there that are listening to it might go, gee, I never thought of that. Or else why is he telling us this thing so simple? But it's it's easy to forget. Sometimes it's, back to the basics, you know. Yeah, and, and just being advised and, you know, wary of what's going on and, and all that. It's uh, Yeah, it's like it's a big 
investment. Absolutely. At least it is in my world. You know, <laughs> if you're putting out three thousand bucks a month or something like that, let's let's make sure you've got a place to go when you get there. Oh, absolutely. Or it's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So if anyone's trying to get a hold of you to find an investment, um, how would they find you? Best way to find me is to phone me. I answer my phone. I'm one of those old people that actually <laughs> does at 778-883-9645. My name is Lynn. I'm with Coldwell Banker Prestige Realty in Vancouver Rented. Great. I will uh, also have your information there in the description. So if anyone needs to get a hold of Lynn, it'll all be there. And uh, thank you very much. If you've been listening all the way up to this, I really appreciate you tuning in to Bamboo, Vancouver's property management and investment podcast. We'll be back in another couple of weeks and we'll look forward to seeing you then. 